Hey there, I'm Jesse, and you're listening to the Deep Lore Boys podcast, where me, Matthew, and Jackson delve into the random, rare, and often ridiculous pieces of human history. Allow me to tell you the tale of Timothy Dexter. People as far out as Maryland thought that it was an earthquake. That's a big yeah. explosion. In terms of this and Shungite rocks, I might have to go with the Shungite rocks. This, okay, this man is insane. This is just straight up complete nonsense. Greetings, greetings, ladies and gentlemen. A bit of an unorthodox opening to this episode of the Deep Lore Boys podcast, but it's episode 10, baby! We've hit the double digits! Let's go! (laughs) Just wanted to take a minute to personally thank all of you guys for making this podcast what it is. We've got a very small community of people listening right now, but we've gotten a lot of great feedback about the podcast just being an entertaining, fun thing to listen to, so... I hope that uh, during these last 10 episodes, you have maybe gotten a good laugh out of it and learned something cool you didn't know along the way. So over the last couple episodes, we've gotten a handful of listener-requested topics, and today we're going to be going over some of them. Those would be the Georgia Guidestones and the Black Tom Explosion. And if you have any obscure, historical, or even modern stories and weird things that you would like us to go over, uh, feel free to let us know. Drop a comment in the YouTube comments or fill out our little survey that we leave on Spotify. I'm going to start linking my email in the descriptions of the episode, so you should be able to email us directly that way. I'll share them with the rest of the boys here. But uh, yeah, with that out of the way, let's get started. And we're going to start with the first one here, Georgia Guidestones, which are big old dummy thick granite monuments in Elbert County, Georgia, Elbert County rather. They were constructed in the 1980s during the Cold War and they bear some sussy instructions in multiple different languages about how to rebuild humanity and create a functioning society should nuclear war basically annihilate the entire planet. This is basically like like the Ten Commandments, but for the Terminator. That's kind of <laughs> what it much. is. They're 19 feet tall. Like, they're big. Yeah. So the story goes, in the 1980s, uh, th- this town that it's built near is known for all of their granite mines nearby. Granite is, is a thing that they export. And so somebody okay. came up to these granite miners and was like, hey, I want you to build me a big old massive set of, uh, of Ten Commandments right here. I want you to build these guidestones. And he was using a fake name. And according to the stories I found, the granite guys thought it was just ridiculous that they were building this thing. Like, guys, oh, it's just a bunch of quacks. So they put a, an absurd price on it. Like, oh, this is going to cost uh, X $100,000. Just thinking it would turn them oh. away. But the guy was like, nah, cool. Yeah, well, let's build it. See, here's my thing that, like, if somebody else can do the exact same thing and then, like, just write the exact opposite instructions on their guidestones and who's to say that the ones in georgia are going to be discovered first well i guess the ones in georgia are placed pretty strategically it's like a place that nuclear war like i don't know the the terrain there's not a lot nearby it's flat i think like people have a good chance of surviving around that area or something i'm not exactly sure i haven't dug into all of the reasons why but that's what i've been told I want to see a movie or something where yeah everybody gets nuked and they just use the guidestones as the way to live yeah, because that would I mean, apply. They, like it says, third rule: everybody needs to be united under one language. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Could try. Imagine choosing which one. Last one is just be not a cancer on the earth. Leave room for nature. Leave room for nature. Got to repeat it yeah, twice there to yeah. really, really state it. The stones. See, at first glance, I was kind of like, ah, uh, I don't really see the mystery here. I mean, it's really cool, but I, I could totally see a small group of people during the Cold War, you know 
building this for future generations, sure. But there's some weird stuff about it. For instance, the very first inscription on here, the first rule, is maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. And then right under that is mm -hmm. guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. So this is like pretty early, uh, yeah, they like nature. They want all nations to rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court. So just no more war. Yeah, uh, which I mean, that, that's cool, I guess. Officials. I can get behind that. But it turns out some people did not because then they vandalize it and write yeah. death to the new world order on it. Because a lot of it is kind of constructing this, fan not fantastical, but this potential uh, like new world order type thing that triggered a lot with the Christian community, understandably. And uh, yeah, yeah it's been vandalized a few times. Like a sort of Armageddon like revelation theory. Yeah, a yeah. Lot of, a lot of those good old Bible Belt Georgia Christians don't seem to take to it too kindly. Mm-mm. And apparently this thing was the site of more than one uh, strange phenomena at night. Not necessarily supernatural, although I think there are stories of like UFOs around it and stuff, but that you'll find that with everything. Um, but there were some gatherings of people around it at night that people thought could either be like just, you know, those young hooligans out messing around or satanic lizard people worshiping cults gathering around this thing because it's it's a it's a little sus so apparently yoko ono said that the the messages on the guidestones are a stirring call to rational thinking is what she said they were uh but then wired which is the you know the magazine right uh, said that people they didn't say who but they said that people have labeled them as the Ten Commandments of the Antichrist. Oh. And uh, somebody, yeah, there was someone named Mark Dice. He looks like a he looks like an interesting case of a person. Mark but, Dice. But uh, he's a conspiracy theorist, and he says that they should be smashed into a million pieces and the rubble used for a construction project. That's what he said. Because he says that the guidestones are of deep satanic origin and that the guy that put them there belongs to a luciferian secret society well what's who's this mark dice guy uh he is a conspiracy, a conspiracy theorist of some kind oh from a from an activist group called the resistance it's kind of funny that you have a conspiracy theorist group called the resistance and they probably don't know or can't agree on what they're resisting maybe they can but Maybe I'm sure they, do. they don't know for sure. I don't sure. know. What, what do they resist? Do they just resist, like, common society? The government! Yes. It's always the government, dang it. I think that, like, conspiracies and stuff like this are really, like, genuinely. Genuinely, I think they're cool. A lot of people will just believe the first thing they see, and you get large, like, swaths of people who are who have been misled. Like, that happens a lot. Right. Uh, conspiracy theories, though, like people, people get a little weird. Like when it gets to the point that you're overthinking everything in reality, where you think that like the Earth is flat, is like, bro, like, man, you know, like <laughs> I, you're, you're, it's okay. I hate to it's burst okay, your bubble, or I mean, burst your disc. Sorry, but uh, yeah, but <laughs> nah. Oh yeah, I forgot about the time capsule. There's a time capsule in there. Yeah. So. On the guidestones, it's somewhere. I'm not sure exactly where it's written. There are instructions for a time capsule on the site. It says that, okay. and I quote, time capsule placed six feet below this spot on blank to be opened on blank. 
There's no dates engraved, and no one knows what's in there. Maybe, dude, I like to think that they just put that there, as in, like, one day the time capsule will inevitably be opened, so we don't need to write an opening date for it. Right, yeah, that's probably That's a beautiful mentality. Like, in the case of a time capsule that can exist indefinitely, like, one day every time capsule in the world will be opened eventually. Right. Be it by humans, be it by like an earthquake somehow opens it or something, depending on how it was buried and what it was like one day it'll happen. And that's, that's That's a cool thought. So maybe that's why they didn't put a time to open it was they were just like, it's inevitable. So Jackson, I want you to imagine, uh, just, I want to like get a professional opinion on, you know, how well these guidestones would actually work. Nuclear fallout happens. Whole world blows up. Dead hand goes nuts, annihilates the whole earth. Uh, you wake up in Georgia, you walk up a hill, the sky is painted red with blood and the fires of nuclear radiation, but lo and behold, silhouetted there on top of a grassy knoll nearby, these giant granite tablets rise up and they have instructions for you. What do you do? Jackson, what do you do? But Jackson didn't have his earphone in the entire time. <laughs> he literally took them out the moment he oh. started talking. Uh, just well, that's my bad. Eating cheese crisp. No, I didn't want to I'm talk into the mic while I was eating a cheese crisp. Fair enough. Fair enough. In terms of this and Shungite rocks, I might have to go with the Shungite rocks, man. Oh, I didn't even think of that. So, listener requested topic number two: the Black Tom explosion. This thing was legendary, and I'm quite surprised that it's not a more well-known piece of American lore. I mean, maybe it is. I've just never heard of it or read about it. But it was an act of sabotage, you see, and it was straight out of a movie. German spies, which I'm imagining were just tuxedo-wearing, sunglass-rocking, like guys with suitcases. They infiltrated this island in New York off the coast of uh, New York Harbor in 1916. It was an island worth of ammunition, just a massive fat dump worth of ammo. And they blew that sucker sky high. It did $20 million of damage at the time, estimated in 2022, it would have been $480 million. And it also apparently bashed up the Statue of Liberty pretty bad. It was... One of the largest artificial non-nuclear explosions in history. And it happened right there near the city. Dude. It was wild. And the damage is real, bro. Apparently people as far out as Maryland thought that it was an earthquake. Yeah. That's a big explosion. That's a big yeah. explosion. What do you do when you chill in <laughs> New York City? Just to provide a sense of scale, like looking at this image of like the Statue of Liberty from Black Tom Island and looking at the distance between the two, like the fact that an explosion here was enough to severely damage the arm of the Statue of Liberty. Like it says that rivets in the arm popped out. Like that must have been a big, big kaboom. It does say... uh... As far as the explosion goes, where is it? It was right here. Uh, yeah, it created a detonation wave that traveled at 24,000 feet per second with enough force to... Oddly, it says enough force to lift firefighters out of their boots and into the air. So, so you just see, like, guys, what was well, that? Did you hear? Whoa! They, they throw whoa, out of your boots. Your, your boots are just <laughs> stuck on the ground. <laughs> right. Jackson, did that happen to you as a firefighter? Just carried away. Like, do you ever just get, like, a big explosion and you fly out, but your boots stay on the ground? Yes. That happens. That's a common problem. Every day. 
Did did anybody die in this? Yeah, four people died. Four people died. Four people now died? it says that uh, when so apparently in the middle of the night, like a fire was spotted, and that was like the fire that the Germans lit. And it says they might have used these like cigar bomb things, which that just sounds really cool to me. Like you light a cigar, puff it, chuck it, and then it just blows up like a grenade. Yeah, that is actually pretty cool. So do they know who started it? Yeah, it was some German uh, spies, but I'm not sure if they ever got caught. After midnight, a series of small fires were discovered on the pier, and I guess they got away. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm going to just take a quick quick little guess and assume they either blew up with the island or uh dipped uh it was michael Kristoff was the um the suspect the suspect yeah he admitted to working for german agents transporting Mm. suitcases and that was when the u.s was still neutral according to him so this was a confession two of the guards at black tom were german agents so never mind they weren't wearing tuxedos they didn't sneak over there with their sunglasses and bomb the place they actually disguised themselves and yeah used cigar bombs so they just pranked them yeah this was one of the biggest pranks in history right here they they straight up bounced out well it's kind of like unique that it was on an island though too like instead of like just like a regular railroad yard like yeah that's true i'm not sure why there was so much in one place uh the wikipedia gives a little insight into how much tnt and ammo was stored here says it was about Two million pounds of small arms and artillery ammunition, including a thousand or sorry, a hundred thousand pounds of TNT. Apparently, the barge containing all that TNT was literally only tied up at Black Tom to avoid a twenty-five dollar charge. That's the only reason it was there that night. So apparently, Black Tom Island is still kind of there, but it's not an island anymore, from what I'm looking at. No, it's not. Yeah, it seems maybe they like built the ground out up to it but it's definitely like an anti-canal oh yeah okay so yeah it says uh landfill projects later made black tom island part of the mainland so they they land bridged it and it was incorporated into liberty statue park dude i always forget that the statue of liberty is just like on an island yeah for some reason i do too it's like it's out there why they build it on an island i don't know it is kind of cool though i'm not complaining it's it's kind of it's neat oh it is cool like it's really cool like Honestly, I like it a lot. Did I have Street View here? I should. Let's see. I've been thinking about this for a while. The Germans, like, came here, disguised themselves, got aboard this island, and blew it sky high with cigar bombs. That is, ironically, the most American move I have ever heard of. Like, I could totally really see is. some American, like a Michael Bay movie where soldiers from the United States have to do the same thing. Allow me to tell you the tale of Timothy Dexter. He was quite possibly the best worst businessman ever to walk the face of the earth and sail the seven seas. He is... He, take a look at that hat. I know, look at that thing. On the Wikipedia, he's got like this massive, it's like a big old corn chip put on his head. Bro. So he was born on January 22nd, 1747, uh, in the province of Massachusetts Bay. And in 1769, so that would have been, what, like 22 years later, he moved to Newburyport, Massachusetts. He married a 32-year-old Elizabeth Frothingham, a rich widow, and bought a mansion. This is where Timothy Dexter's story starts getting a little wacky. So, 
at the end of the American Revolutionary War, he bought a lot of depreciated continental currency that was completely worthless at the time. Apparently, he bought quite a bit of it. And then at the war's end, the U.S. government made good on its notes at 1% of the face value, while Massachusetts paid its own notes at par. So basically, because he bought so much of it and it shot up, he made a massive profit. And with all that money, he bought two ships and began an export business to the West Indies and Europe. Dude, this man knows what's up. That was only the beginning, though. That is a clutch move, though. Here's the thing, and you'll, you'll see more of this pop up with his story. I don't know if that decision to buy all of that currency that was worthless and then and then have it shoot up, I don't know if that was intentional or completely accidental because <laughs> the decisions this man made were so abominably terrible, but they always <laughs> managed to work out. Uh, once he started this business, people like made jokes and tried to lead Timothy astray. Uh, he was advised to sell bed warmers used to heat beds in the cold New England winters to resale in the West Indies, which is a tropical area. So re- they don't need bed warmers. <laughs> it was a deliberate ploy by rivals to bankrupt Timothy. You know, he, he's the new guy. He just got his ships. Uh, yeah, whatever, we'll, we'll bankrupt him. But then his ship's captain sold them as ladles to the local molasses industry, and they made a handsome profit, according to Wikipedia. <laughs> so how do you... What? How do you use bed warmers as ladles? <laughs> I, oh, I guess know. I can see that. I guess looking at a picture of one, I can kind of, of a, see Of a that. bed warmer? It's a little unorthodox, but That's apparently it worked. So next up on Dexter's Great Adventures here, people jokingly told him to ship coal to Newcastle, which has literally become a phrase that means like like Newcastle's got all the coal in the world. They, they don't need coal. However, he did so during a Newcastle miner's strike, and his cargo was sold at a premium. <laughs> so <laughs> worked out real well for what him. What a guy. On another occasion, Practical Jokers told him he could make money by shipping gloves to the South Sea Islands. His ships arrived there in time to sell the gloves to Portuguese boats on their way to China. Another score. These are all just, like, Mm. horrible ideas that ended up working out really well, and I can't tell if it was because, you know, Dexter was secretly a genius or just ridiculously lucky. Yeah, I think he definitely knows how to sell things. Again, I see down here, he accidentally hoarded a bunch of whale bones and (laughs) sold them as, like, the things on a corset. Yeah, like corset stays. But here's the thing: (laughs) when it comes when it comes to Mister Dexter here, old Tim, things get a little even more wacky from here. And this just makes me question whether this was all like a big brain move on his part or just dumb luck, because he was a little eccentric. So it says he bought a large house in Newburyport from Nathaniel Tracy uh, and basically Mm -hmm. tried to emulate that guy. He was a, a local socialite. So to to emulate this guy, he decorated his house with minarets, a golden eagle, a mausoleum for himself, and a garden of 40 wooden statues of famous men, including George Washington, William Pitt, Napoleon, Thomas Jefferson, and himself. Yeah. The statue of himself had the inscription, I am the first in the East, the first in the West, and the greatest philosopher in the Western world. I'd believe it. So him and his wife did not seem to get along very well. <laughs> no, they at did all. not. I'm saying no. that right here. Yeah. So he he told people that his wife was dead, and <laughs> the woman who was you know at his house was her ghost. 
it was not her ghost. She was alive. Right. Apparently, once he faked his own death to see what would happen, and 3,000 people attended his wake, which is basically like a session before a funeral, when his wife didn't cry, then he got up and... Did he, like, hit her with a cane? It, yeah, it says he revealed the hoax and promptly caned her for not sufficiently mourning his death. So just started going caning? to town on her with this cane. I, I looked into it because I wasn't sure. Caning is a form of corporal punishment consisting of a number of hits with a single cane. So basically all that to say uh, got whacked with a cane quite a bit. Yeah. And maybe oh, it's just that. all he had on hand. Maybe he was like disguising himself as an old man and when his wife didn't cry, he just busted he out just the old cane and started out from the casket <laughs> and just jumps out there, starts hitting her with a cane. Went full attack mode of barbarian that's actually, style. That's insane. That's both horrible and incredible at the same time. Yeah. I also the, want to point these out are right the... down here. He made a book. He wrote Oh a yeah. Book oh yeah, he did. A pickle for the knowing ones. <laughs> that just what a the title name in itself. That is a beautiful, beautiful title. Beautiful title. And it says in the book he complained about politicians, the clergy, and his wife. Like, yes. He wrote an entire book just complaining about his marriage and politics and the clergy. Yeah, it's a sizable book, except there's no punctuation. Wow, this guy is spelling. Yeah, it's awful. Whew. It's incredible. I don't even know how to like translate his spelling to the listeners over the podcast. I am the first lord in the United States of America. Now Newburyport <laughs> is the voice of the people, and I can't help it, and so let it go. Yeah. Yes, it, I agree. Something roughly along those lines. Dexter, I stand with you, man. When he was writing, he didn't think about how the words were. The thing is, like, it still makes some sense. Like, the way he spells United <laughs> is, like, you right. and, like, it's interesting. But then Mercury, <laughs> right. it's just like, how did you, how did right. they so, say America back then? That he right. sees that and thinks, hmm, America, a Mercury. Like, oh. <laughs> how is he writing? Like, you're just like, hmm. Like, did people literally call America a Mercury back in the a day? Mercury? Like, was You'd that have to a slur thing? it quite a lot. Yeah, like, was there an accent? United States of Mercury. Yeah, I, I, like, I don't uh, know. Like, the United States of Mercury. The United States. Hanging. Wait, is this? <gasps> no way. Dude, the entirety of A Pickle for the Knowing Ones is on Wikipedia. The entire thing is just copied what? and pasted. And it's not, it's completely public domain because the author is very dead. Oh my so goodness, it is. We can, the whole thing. You can literally read his entire book. We could. I might. I might do this like an audio book. Yeah. <laughs> to mankind at large, the time is. Uh, the time to mankind is at large, calm. the time is come is calm at the last grat day of rejoicing. <laughs> <laughs> See, this man couldn't spell to save his life. What does this mean? There's words in here. <laughs> I, there are words in here that just don't exist. <laughs> what I love about this is that uh, it's not like... Like, nowadays we have autocorrect, and we get really goofy stuff with that where the words turn into words that don't make sense. 
Right. This doesn't do any of this. <laughs> no. This is just straight up, just complete nonsense. This reads like it looks when you're reading it and seeing all the misspelled words. It looks like somebody who's drunk sounds, I think. Absolutely. At least that's, that's what I'm imagining. Yeah. Like drunk it pirate, depends on not what even you're drunk on. Yeah, if you're drunk on like grog, like <laughs> right. when you're on grog, this is how you sound. What is this sentence? It, it, I it's there's all one sentence. There's no right, punctuation. Like, yeah, there's no you punctuation. So I can't even say you can't like tell even in the slightest when uh, one sentence like it's not like in some cases you can see in a book like oh this is where the sentence should end they just didn't put a period there no this is all one consistent no thought. yeah this is just he sat down and his brain went off <laughs> he made this <laughs> and he this... did not stop until it, he had a pickle for the knowing ones i want to point out that the title a pickle for the knowing ones isn't misspelled at all no, it's not. Somehow he I got think, that right. I think he knows how to spell. I think he's trolling <laughs> everyone really hard. Oh, maybe. I mean, look at what this man did. He always came out on top. He always knew what he was That's doing. That's true. That's true. I also want to point out that at the bottom, there's just dozens of, like, commas and semicolons and punctuation. Yeah, I don't know. Down there. Is that, like, part of the book? I'm assuming it's not because it's in like a separate thing. That might be all of the punctuation that should be in there. <laughs> it should have been just, in somebody there. Somebody just typed out everything. It would be know. a big troll if he had like wrote the whole book and then put all the punctuation in its own <laughs> put it like all. chapters yeah. at the end. Dude, do you know how much <laughs> thought? If he did that, then we would know without without even, a doubt, without a doubt, he would be the smartest man to have ever lived. So the the first edition of A Pickle for the Knowing Ones was published in Salem, Massachusetts in 1802. Uh, He initially distributed his book for free, but it became popular and was reprinted eight times. So it actually got some traction. And in the second edition, he responded to complaints about the book's lack of punctuation by adding an extra 11 lines of punctuation marks with the instruction, they may paper and salt it as they please. So that's why all the punctuation is at the bottom. He literally... Oh my gosh, he literally put it all Punctuation. This... Okay, this man is insane. And that smooth one-liner... They may pepper and salt it as they please. He didn't even Not, spell pepper and crap. salt or please right. He doesn't even need to. We we have to do like a live audiobook reading of this. It is what quite the quite the book. I'm sure Timothy's got a lot of great commentary in here. I love the fact that he basically just called himself lord dexter yeah he just, just declared that it was so yeah lord that's the thing he dexter. wasn't actually a noble he wasn't actually like any sort of royalty he just bought this house decorated it with statues and just made himself as pompous as possible and then called himself lord dexter and then yeah suddenly the the goofy tortilla ship tortilla chip hat makes <laughs> a lot more sense now it's making a lot of I sense can, isn't i it? can picture this guy walking around with a hat like that you know what we have to do now We've got to put uh, Timothy Dexter on the Habakkuk and just have him like at the front, oh, sticking his like rod out in the air can do it. with his big tortilla shell hat, and, like navigating yeah, it. Yeah, I think I think he's earned his spot on the Habakkuk. Hi again, it's Jesse. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Deep Lore Boys podcast. You can find more episodes of our show on YouTube and Spotify, which we encourage you to share with your friends so we can grow the podcast. And drop a comment down below if you're feeling extra generous. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope your day is nothing short of interesting. Take care.
I'm going to go post that one on Twitter.com.